Hello, viewers and listeners of Sloss and Humphreys on the road. As you are fully aware, Daniel Sloss has went home. He's tapped out like a lightweight and left me touring Australia on my own. So what I've been doing is mopping up some amazing guests while I'm here. Um, we've been very lucky today. I've got a treat for you. We have got Daniel Fernandez on the podcast for an hour. You might remember Daniel from the Mumbai episode where we had a rotation of comedians. Uh, Daniel was the first guest on that. And when we won Mumbai, we just were like, right, we need to get you on for an hour and chat to you in length. And it happened today. So we've got a Belter podcast talking about the comedy scene in India, talking about Indian food, talking about um, porn profiling it to be incestuous and a host of other things. Um, it's a wonderful catch-up. Uh, it's been class gigging with Daniel the last few days in Perth at the gala shows and stuff, so it was nice to sit down and have a proper blather on the podcast. So I hope you enjoy it. And um, also on the next episode, hopefully, I mean, it's penned in, so hopefully it's going to happen, but I've got Ruben K going to be on the Patreon episode on Thursday, so you can look forward to that. If you haven't signed up, I'd do it now, and then you'll get that episode on Thursday. Enjoy this one. Sloss and Humphreys on the road. Muggins and cream, cream and muggins, straight thugging, living the dream. That, that's our intro. Fucking muggles. Tickling the clit inside your head that makes you laugh. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> they said it can't be done. Are we in the same seats? That's hack. Oh, muggles. Accidental rib job in the park. Kiss, kiss, kiss. Or am I just being cynical? Just muggled it up on fucking Mugglepedia. Where have you been since 9 11? Daniel Fernandez, yes, it's good to have you yeah. back. We meet again. We, uh, you know what I love about this industry? Like we met, what, like seven weeks ago? Yeah, in Mumbai. Like two months ago in Mumbai. In Mumbai yeah. We never met before. We hung out, had a couple of drinks at a yeah. festival, jumped on the podcast, yep. and then fast forward two months and here we are in Perth, God, yeah. just gigging together, working together. It's yeah. fucking class like that, this industry. The thing about this job, you meet each other all over the world. Yeah. If you're good. Yeah. I if you're good, I, otherwise you just get sucked in, sucked into a local toxic open mic scene. Yes, yes. Otherwise you're in the open mic scene. Hey, what's the open mic scene like in Mumbai? And, and it's pretty uh, huge right now. I think if you look at the whole Indian comedy scene in terms of the breakup of where everyone's at. Yeah, I think the open mic scene is the largest pool. I think I reckon from what I'm aware of, easily anywhere between five hundred to. 700 open micers. I could be wrong, but That's, I'm, I'm, it, I'm is that Is that in the whole country or is that in one city? In the city? whole country. But right. if you consider out of a bill, over a billion people, that's still not much. But yeah, it, way bigger than what it was when we started. And so. so how long have you been going now? I've been, this is my 12th year. It's your 12th year. So 12th similar year. length of time to me. But yeah. when, when I started in the UK, there was already quite a fucking heavy open mic scene. Yes. It's like uh, all the infrastructure for the gigs yeah. was there for me to jump into the skipping ropes. Exactly. Were you there at the kind of inception of stand-up comedy? Yes, we had to build the scene. So the, uh, all of us started between 12 and 13 years ago. We were the guys who were approaching bars and saying, hey, give us a Monday night. There's yeah. not much happening anyways. Let us tell some jokes. So it started there. Uh, a bunch of us started running rooms across the country and then slowly we kept building it up. It helped that the comedy store was there. That kind of really uh, set the tone for, for the industry because uh, when the comedy store used to do shows, they had the, the established showcase format that they do in London and Manchester. Yeah, so they would, they would have like you and a couple of your friends on, but they'd also have like fucking Dave Johns and a oh, few no. of the comedy store regulars. We, we didn't get a shot at all. So oh, really? We, initially, it was, uh, they, they would fly acts down from, from the UK. Yeah. Uh, and then after a while, they started having open mics. That's where we got a shot. So if you did well at the open mics, then you would get an open spot with uh, on, on the weekend showcase. And if you did well at the open spot, eventually you would get to a show called The Local Heroes. Right. Which was a bunch of us doing 20 minutes each. Yeah. And then and did that feel that, like a long time at the time, yeah. 20 minutes? And then after that, if you did well over there, you would get into the best in stand-up shows the, uh, that they did. So I remember there was a time where we used to just keep checking our inbox yeah. for, for that email uh, saying, hey, you've got five minutes. Yeah. Uh, How uh, much of a buzz are them emails when yeah. they come through, you know, when and you're waiting for five for minutes. That, you thought about that that five minutes all week, like, oh, I'm going to do yeah. this, I'm going to do this. And, and we were discussing things yesterday. Now, when they say, okay, you got to do five minutes, you're like, five? You fucking <laughs> edit that down. Yeah, that's like one bit, but I don't you, want to get into that one bit until I've established myself. Exactly. So, so the stuff that establishes me is the stuff I'm using yeah. and then I don't get to go into my best stuff. Exactly. And you say, hello, you introduce yourself and that's three minutes already. So yeah. It's been quite a journey, but yeah. 
Yeah, because I always feel like when I do anything overseas, I have to reference the accent. Yes. Um, not just not just because to be understood, but because people may be trying to place it. Correct. People might think I'm Irish. Like yeah. they might, so yeah. if I can yeah. just give them a little bit of information about myself, yeah. detail the accent, yeah. and move on from it, yeah. that's always a good jump off. But when you do a five-minute spot, that's half of my spot. Half your spot, yeah. I feel I have to do the same thing. I think, that, I think that's something any visiting comedian has to do, just set sort of an establishing... Yeah. Uh, context of you know who you are where you're from what you're all about if you can capture that in about a minute yeah then you've got four more minutes you've got four more minutes which by the way none of us stuck to time yesterday no, <laughs> we were all having such a great time it was such a fun gig as well so this was in the gala show in perth comedy festival yeah it's like what 800 people i think yeah yeah easy, easy. and uh, everyone was shit hot as well the audience the audience were on fire from the beginning the I, MC I set loved, it up great i love this one uh Lady, who, I think she was up, up up top, who was just laughing over everybody else. Kirsty Weebeck. Oh, no, no, from the yeah. audience. Oh, from the audience. Yeah, because yeah, I was going to say, me, me yeah. and Kirsty were watching from the wings and we yeah. were stitches and everyone. It was crazy. It was like 799 people were laughing and then she would climb above that laughter uh -huh. and she was so loud. It was amazing. It almost felt like she just discovered laughter. Yeah. You know, she just realized she could uh, do this and she's she, like, yeah, I'm going to do this all the time. She's now. just had her first hit of heroin, hasn't she? <laughs> yeah. Because I, I always think that if there's a... Non-self-conscious laugh in the audience. Yeah. Everybody else feels like they can laugh. Yes. Like sometimes you'll have like a, an audience where they're stifling laughter. They've got their hand up on oh, their I face. And that. all it takes is just one big belly laugh in the room yeah. for everyone to just like yeah. open open their bodies up and, yeah. and let it out. But that's what I that's what I like when the audience connects with the hive hive mind hive mind. Yeah. You know what I mean when everyone's laughing on cue. Whereas sometimes you'll get people laughing at different points, so it's very fragmented. They're yeah. having fun, but then I'm not. I don't like that. Yeah, because that happens a lot at festivals. Yeah, because people are just shopping by. They're like, yeah, okay, let me see. You know, what's this guy about? What's that guy about? Yeah, at a festival, you can have like a bunch of people that have come in because they've seen your show at a previous festival. Yeah. They've listened to you on podcasts. They've kept up with your career, yeah. and they're coming to see the person that they're familiar with. Yeah, and then you've got people who have just taken a flyer yeah. or. Even worse, the show that they wanted to see is sold out and yeah. you are plan B. <laughs> so sometimes you've Which got... Which also is the name of an emergency contraceptive in the US. I'm plan B. Plan B. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I am plan B. Yeah. Come, see, come see my show and you're not going to fuck tonight. Dude, that's, that, I think that, I'm that's what I'm going to call my show next year. Like Plan B. Plan, like. plan, plan B. <laughs> So, uh, so yeah, you can sometimes be trying to just uh, get get just dial two people on dif different frequencies into the same frequency, yes. and sometimes it can take yeah, a lot of the show yeah. before the crowd have that kind of synergy yeah. that you like to work with. Whereas last night the crowd were there; they were on. They were from the get go. They were on. There. Yeah, and I, and I've noticed that at showcases, whether it's at a theater or at a comedy club, you tend to get that uh, you know that that high energies right away because I think these are. Uh, regular cultured uh, comedy audiences. They watch gigs uh, on the regular uh, as opposed to at a long run at a festival. Yeah. I've been told a lot of people who watch shows at festivals are usually first-timers or uh, they watch a gig once a year. Yeah. They'll only catch shows at the festival. So Yeah, and also with Perth, Perth is so fucking remote. The nearest city is Jakarta. Yeah, yeah. Like the nearest insane. city isn't even in its own country. Like even when we were walking home uh, last night after the gig, it felt like the city was in lockdown. It, it was, it was completely yeah. It was empty. like it, it, was, it was like fucking tumbleweed in a western, wasn't yeah. it? It was, it was very crazy because we did a show, eight hundred people. Then we step outside and we're like, did another pandemic hit? Yeah, because <laughs> like even when we're trying to get food, everywhere was shut. Yeah, we found one place. It was hilarious because it was just Kai and me walking around the entire city. We walked what for an hour. Yeah. Yeah. Did not bump into another soul. But not even any infrastructure, not even like yeah. people cleaning the streets. Yeah. So like, yeah. was, I think there was like one guy, when we got into the heart of town, there was like one guy with a jet washer. Yeah, yeah. But like, he, he was the one dude. And, and then after I, I said goodbye to you, there were, there were some cops downstairs who, uh, uh, you know, strip check, not strip, what do you, what do you call it? Searching. Yeah, yeah. So you, just joined, you, joined, you joined the queue. No. You joined the queue to try and get stripped. <laughs> yeah. Oh, shit. And and then uh, there were like five cops surrounding these two guys and they were checking them for for, for drugs, I'm guessing. Yeah. And I don't know if this happens to you, but whenever I see cops, I, I, I get nervous. Nah, nah, not I, me, man. Yeah, yeah, not, not you. Not, not me. <laughs> but not, not in India, but, but whenever outside, I'm just like, oh, we have this thing, like, maybe I have something, I don't know, like, you know, but then I just walk away confidently, I'm like, yeah, I don't know, you, you can check. Yeah. 
Yeah, it was uh, it was funny gigging with you the other night because you you are done your solo show. Yeah, which you were on straight after me in yes. the same room. Yes, and when I came out, your queue was just fucking there early. Yeah, like it was yeah. like they were camping out for the fucking yeah. One Direction or something. That was, that, that was the night we were sold out. Yeah, yeah, and uh, somebody which is fucking God, God bless the Australian audiences. They know we travel. Yeah, so they know we can't bring drugs. Yeah. So they bring drugs. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It happened happened with me as well. I had somebody from that show itself. Like, hey, you wanna you wanna just like mm, just just come come to the alley back. I'm like, oh, yeah, cool, cool. I got you. Like, and it's nice. Like, like, like the fans get it. We all we all have our little codes. Like, you want some? Yeah, and then, it was nice. And then you, um, so I, I had to leave off ahead of you because I was I was hosting the comedy store. Yeah, and then you turned up absolutely blazed. And you, you were like, you were even at the point, you were at the point, in fact, just yeah. before I brought you on, because I was back announcing at this point, yeah. and you were about to go on, and you were like, do you think I should tell them I'm high? <laughs> and I'm well, like, I'll tell you why, yeah. uh, why why I said that, because once, a few years ago, uh, in, in the green room, there, there was a joint going around, and we were all blazed. And sometimes this happens where you don't know how much is packed in, and you underestimate the potency of the joint, and you pull a little harder than you should. And then I walk on stage and I'm hosting that night and it's new material night, which yeah. worked in my favor. It's yeah. new material night and about seven or eight of the best comedians in the country all back, backstage in the green room. And I'm doing my bit uh, up top and I'm warming the crowd up. And you know, when, when, you're, when you're telling a joke, you, you can see the joke in front of you. You know exactly what you're going to say. And as I'm looking at the next line, the line runs away. And I'm just like, hey, can Come back. I, I need, need you. to deliver it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's totally fine doing it. What were we talking yeah. about again in conversation? Yeah, but not when you're on stage. Not when you're on stage. And then it got so bad. I couldn't do the joke, so I just said, "Hey guys, I'm just going to level with you. Uh, I'm high as yeah. fuck." And the, and that just changed the entire energy of the show because if it was up here, it suddenly went up here, and everyone yeah. was having a great time because then I didn't have to care about doing material per se then i was just you know winging it i was just doing a lot of crowd work and then every time i would introduce an act uh, or come back on i would find something in the green room uh, as a prop and i would just come up with it you know yeah because you're it, feeling it was, playful if your yeah, inhibitions yeah. are your inhibitions are just that little bit lower yeah yeah like i find like if you're the right amount of high uh-huh. you can have a great time on yeah. stage yeah yeah daniel gigs high all of the time all the time edibles yeah. it works and he does like nearly two hours Damn. And he just goes on blazed, and it, I think he likes it. He just feels looser. He, he, he does things a bit differently. Like I get it. if something comes into his head, he doesn't like lock in and stick to the script. He'll go with the thing that comes into his head. Yeah. So he prefers it. I don't mind gigging high, but when you sound like I do, you don't want to lose. You don't want to get lost in translation. You don't want to get lost in translation. Exactly. For me, what I find is if I'm if I'm high, uh, my brain kind of just goes into autopilot. Then I'm not thinking about the set the same way you would when you're sober. It's yeah. just like like you said, it's just boom, 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 and then f- even and you get to play around with the setup as well because now you're not st- sticking to exactly what you've written. You're yeah, like, like you've yeah, got a cue card because they yeah, feel that. Yeah, it's my joke, so I yeah. should be able to tell it in ten different ways, you know. So then I, I play around with that as well. So I like I like that as well, not being completely sober when I'm yeah. on stage. So if if I can't probably you know smoke one uh, I get a drink yeah. Drink, drink's good enough I like um, I love Tom State for that have you, did you see any of Tom State I've, I have I have Tom, Tom State was one of the comedians who used to do the comedy store in Mumbai when it just opened up yeah yeah that, that, that guy's a proper killer so what was that like for you guys because obviously you said you said that you didn't get um, you didn't get put on them bills at first yeah but did everybody go to watch uh, no, not everyone, whoever had the time, whoever could. Uh, if you weren't gigging that night. Yeah, weren't gigging. Also, a lot of people still had day jobs back then. Because I uh, imagine there's a lot of comedians in the room there if they're bringing comedy over from like Canada and Not UK as and- many as you'd imagine. In fact, I remember talking to another comedian about it as well. Like back home, something that we don't see happening too often is the younger comedians uh, in terms of tenure, uh, not watching guys who are ahead and which is very, very surprising. So for, yeah. for the first few months of my career, I just went to the comedy store, sat at the back and just soaked it all in. Yeah, and that's that's why you're professional now because I, yeah, yeah. I, I, I spot that so much when I'll, often when I go to Newcastle and I do the stand run, mm. you, you kicked at the stand? No, not yet. So it's a comedy club that's uh, Edinburgh, Glasgow and Newcastle. Right, yeah. Um, I'll always go and like close the open mic on the Wednesday mm-hmm. 
because I'm going to be staying over anyway, do the Thursday, yeah. Friday, Saturday of the run. Yeah. I just come in a day early and it's, yeah. it gives you a good chance to try out some new material or just fucking, or even just do material that you haven't done in a while and just yeah. get it back up and running because yeah. like you're, take, you're taking a bit of a pay cut, but yeah. you're, you're getting stage time to, yeah. to play with. Um, rather than like selling your best product Correct. and I always recognize the comedians the new comedians that are there at the beginning mm -hmm. and they watch the MC take the mic out of the stand mm -hmm. and then they watch the headliner yeah. and they watch every little aspect of it they watch that's where you learn the little nuances like I've seen so many com uh, young comedians the op at, the, at the open mic they'll take the mic off the stand the mic stands right in front of them and yeah you know, the little things that mm -hmm you would pick up when you watch a seasoned pro. I, I think that's, it, that's what makes it so important to watch guys who are way better than you. It's kind of like saying, right, if you're, the, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, you know yeah I, mean? gonna like, I never have that trouble. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also, uh, so there's the mic stand thing. There's also the looking at your feet thing. That's yeah. a big one that open makers do because nobody... Nobody warns you how bright the lights are. Oh. And the lights are blinding. And, yeah, uh, and yeah, some people yeah. like head down. And I don't know if it, it might be a mix of like nerves and not wanting to mm. look up and not trusting yourself. So it might be a yeah. body language thing. It might be just getting the lights out of your eyes. Yeah, yeah. But you see a lot of comedians doing that. But if, if, you're, at the, if you're at a stand-up show and you're watching the whole thing, yeah. you'll watch the open mic, I look at his feet and talk, and then you'll watch the compare or the headliner. Yeah look at different parts of the audience, the audience. And, and, yeah. and, and connect with the room. Yeah. And if, if you're watching the whole show as an open maker, you'll see the vast difference between those two things. Right. And you'll like, even if you know you're doing it or not, you'll pick up on it because yeah. you'll absorb the, because yeah. your, your material, your set, all of that stuff, that's all down to you. It's in right. your head. But the stagecraft element of it. Yeah, there's so many moving parts, right? Like uh, there's so many things that you wouldn't pick up on otherwise. For example, uh, one of the comedians I used to, Love watching Imran Yusuf. Uh, he's done India a lot. I haven't seen Imran in such in a long a time. We used to yeah. kick together a lot yeah. back in the so day. So he, he used to come down to India. He used to kill hard. And I remember he told me, like, you know, if, if you move around while you're on stage, what it does is it gets the audience's eyes locked on you and they move with you. So they're paying attention. Yeah. But if you stand in one place, and especially if you're not doing, uh, you're not killing really hard, then they, they tend to lose. Uh, uh, what do you say that that connect with you yeah. because you're just there and then they start drifting yeah he's just there yeah but that's actually um, something I was chatting to Matthew who edits this podcast right. he was saying like you should be doing lots of cuts with the camera for people watching it like we travel with one camera yeah. so people are just going to get this one yes. scene and you can like, come close and then go back out yeah again. they yeah. go back out so uh, but but he says them them sharp cuts is what keeps people's attention spans yes. Yes. and it's like it, it's so basic to admit that that's what we're like but that's what we're like you yeah. need you need to yeah. To have changes of focus Correct. all the time. Yeah. I um. So there's the, the the walking around the stage. What are the basic bits? The, the talking into the mic before they're fully getting a hold of it yet. Like the, some some acts go through and they'll start mumbling that set. Yeah. Now, one thing I do when I walk on stage is I look at the cable and see if it's wrapped around the stand. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. And so my instant thing because I've falling on my face with it as a, as a new comedian so many times, yeah. grabbing the mic stand, the cable is still that wrapped around. around, and then you start... that awkward dance, you're just like, oh, let me get this out of the way, hang on a second. Yeah, yeah, and you've started talking. Yeah. You've started talking, so you're trying to chase the fucking microphone around yeah. the stand, whereas if you get up, you clock it, you take it out, you wrap it around, you put that there, Yeah. And then we'll begin. Sorry, I've kept knocking the microphone when I did that. But uh, but <laughs> I'm talking about stagecraft while failing at basics of stagecraft. <laughs> uh, but yeah, doing doing that is such a. Um, like, so, sorry, I'm just gonna. It's, it's yeah. just such a. It's such a basic thing that it doesn't take talent. It takes education. Yes. It takes learning. Yes, and you can learn that by yeah. just fucking tuning into tuning a gig in. and watching a gig. Like one of the things I like doing is getting to the show before the show begins, just getting getting on stage and getting a feel of the room. Yeah. So you know exactly where the audience is going to be seated, what the light, what the light is like, how harsh it is, etc., etc. Because so then it just helps you, you know, familiarize yourself when you're called out. You're not suddenly going, "Whoa, what is this place?" You know. Yeah. So yeah, if you're a young comedian just starting out get get to the venue early just, just yeah. get in early get a feel of the stage meet the MC you know go through the lineup see what's happening you know know where you are make sure yeah. you're backstage on time all these yeah. little things yeah. that so familiarize yeah. yourself with other people's sets because yes. because uh, yeah, it's a, there's a big social scene to it as well right. and if 
if I'm chatting to somebody backstage and they say a name and I don't know the name and then yeah. you tell me a bit that they do, yeah. I'll know the comedian off that bit Correct. and then now we know who we're talking about. Yeah. But if yeah. you're not watching any of it, yeah. then you're, you're, just, you're getting yourself out of the loop socially yeah. when it comes to... It's crazy how as comedians we tend to be, a lot of us tend to be introverts uh, who don't like socializing, but also the craft demands that when you're not on stage, you need to have good people skills. You can't just be... Um, you know, the yeah. guy just sitting in the corner, not saying anything, unless you're really huge. Once you become famous, then yeah, fuck everyone. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you just, just like, sit there. Who are you losers? How dare you breathe uh, the same air as me? You know, <laughs> that, that actually was the thing I got nervous about the most because I'm, I'm actually, uh, even, I'm not that introverted generally, like yeah. before I done stand up, yeah. but still, um, if I was going to do an open spot at the comedy store. Right, my biggest nerves wouldn't be walking on stage at the comedy store because that's a fucking nice gig. It's an yeah. easy gig. I yeah. trust my abilities. Even yeah. then, like I knew, like I was like making people laugh. Yeah. So now in an environment where it's easier to make people laugh than it is at say junglers or yeah. or like an open mic, it's it's yeah. it's actually a, a sweeter spot. You get nervous because of the prestige of it yeah. and what it can do for your own career if it yeah. goes well. Yeah. There's a bit of that, but it's the being someone who has a day job and nobody knows your name yet, walking into a room full of established, established. comedians and then going in and trying to just be like you're meant to be there yeah. rather than an imposter. Yeah, yeah. So I'd sometimes like be in the car before walking in and I know the fucking lineup is sick as I've looked it up online. I know yeah. what the lineup's going to be and I'm like yeah. walking in. I'd, I'd be a bit more nervous about that yeah. than I would be about. But would you say that uh, these spots at say iconic venues like the comedy store still have the same amount of prestige as they used to now that everyone's getting popular on the internet, booking out their own venues and selling out. You, you know what? I don't know if it's just because I've, I've been, I've been around a while now, but it used to, it used to feel like it was harder to get into. Now it seems like um, yeah. the, a lot of the clubs have, um, they've taken a look at the diversity protocol yeah. and realized that, a lot of the lineups that they have is bald middle-aged men. Yeah. Right. So so they've they've kind of opened up their books a lot more. A lot of the clubs right. have opened their books up a lot more, and it's fucking great because there's so many funny people out there, there uh, are, yeah. from all walks of life. And it's good. Yeah. It's good that they've got a bigger cross section. But it also feels like it's um, the books are a lot more open. Whereas when I started, I felt like the books were closed. These are our fucking 20, 30 guys that we yeah, use, yeah. and you have to fucking really muscle to squeeze in there. You have exactly, to really fucking yeah. light the place up. So do you feel like it's easier now for somebody starting out in the UK to get into a comedy? Club? Probably unless you're a middle-aged bald guy. <laughs> that market is now. And then we've got we've we've got that covered. We've got yeah. that covered completely. Um, I'm not I'm not entirely sure actually. I, I've mentioned this before, but I feel like I was very very lucky coming through when I did because I came through in 2008. Right. And every open mic I was trying to be Stuart Lee. Oh. So every open mic I was taking fucking ages to get to a punchline. And they were just doing short spots. Right, right, and I was going right. in and just being a bit more clubby. Yeah. And if a yeah. promoter is looking for someone to make their audience laugh. Yeah. Well, that's what I think uh, a lot of comedians starting out tend to forget that the shorter the spot, the more punchlines you need to have because you don't have enough time to make yourself memorable. Yeah. If you have half an hour, then yeah, maybe you can do like a three minute setup and then drop a punchline. But if you've got just five minutes, it has to be set up punchline, set up punchline, set up punchline. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's it's literally a showcase. It is, it yeah, is, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a quickie, right? It's a quickie. Yeah, it's a there's quickie. no there's no gentle strokes here. Uh, there's no caressing, yeah. and you just like fuck uh, really hard, yeah, yeah. pound her really hard, well, you, and then fucking come. You you're gonna do <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna do four minutes of foreplay yeah, in the fucking exactly. broom in the broom cupboard on your yeah, on your yeah, lunch break. Exactly. Right? Yeah, <laughs> it's it's crazy because the whole the the path in India is very different now. So what happened was when the comedy st uh, sorry comedy uh, store was around there was still sort of like an established infrastructure. There was a path sort of to get to your 20, a path to get to the 30. But after they had the falling out with their Indian partner and they went away. So we were all had a kind of, in a way, had to figure out figure it out ourselves. But by the time that happened, a lot of us were already in quite a strong position. So it was, we were okay. But the guy starting out kind of then had to figure out how to do this because there weren't any clubs that had an established infrastructure or a setup for them to go, okay, yeah, you're, you're, you're good enough for five or you're good enough for 20. Everyone was just kind of doing their own thing. 
And now the path to getting popular is to do open mics, figure it out in the dark somehow. Yeah. And get promises. on a reality show. Get on a reality reality show on Amazon Prime. If if that works out, great. The numbers are great. Once you get on there, and if you're good, and if you have enough material to back up that success, then you can have a good career yeah. ahead of you. Or the other path is keep my working it out and grinding it out at the open mics, and then shoot videos there, and release it out on the internet, and hopefully find an audience. There is no so is. Proper club setup now. Is reality TV show like a reputable in for stand up for for in India? I mean, it's the only one that there is right now. So it's it's uh, basically similar to uh, Last Comic Standing. Yeah, okay. That, that, that kind of so a it's setup. A, it's a reality yeah. show based around comedy or stand up. Yeah. So you'll have like maybe ten contestants, and you'll have like a panel of say six or seven established comedians uh, judging these contestants and. Every episode is a different, uh, is a theme. Like so, one one is uh, you know improvisational. One uh, sorry, one is observational. Maybe the other one is you know uh, topical humor. So yeah. they keep testing them eventually until one person wins. And usually, what has happened is the people who won, they have seen their numbers go up really high, and they're doing pretty well for themselves. They're doing good. So that's yeah. the path in India. It's very different over there. So there was a there's a, there is a comedian called Deliso Chapanda who uh, he, he learned his craft in uh, Canada. Yeah. Right. He's a Malawian, yeah. and then uh, he smashes gigs. In... He, he got big on Britain's Got Talent. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So he smashes gigs, right? right? And a lot of it is filth, right? Which is what I love. Like, I, oh, I, is it? I, I deal with filth. Yeah. All all his stuff that I've seen is so clean, right? Yeah, because it's TV, obviously. Oh, so he's a filthy comedian. Oh man, in the he's club. got the funniest. Oh, he's got the funniest filth, and that's my sense um, of humor. I'm pretty fucking yeah, basic, man. Yeah. Toilet humor, sex. It's global. Everyone yeah. can laugh at that, right? Um, so we always have him on Punch Drunk, our gigs, oh. and uh, and then he does Britain's Got Talent, and then we will have him on Punch Drunk again. And all of a sudden, we don't have to do any promotion. Boom, sold out. Sold out. A bunch of because normally we've got the same audience coming back over and over, and right. we just gotta get like say if there's three thousand people that come to the gigs mm. regularly. You want 300 of those guys that yeah. come in, you build a regular audience, they've seen yeah. comedy a bunch of times, you train them, right. they, they're, they're a comedy audience by a couple of years, and yeah. you've got this fucking really good pool of people to come right. to the gigs, but you normally have to promote to them to get them to come. Exactly. Maybe they'll bring a friend or two and you'll organically grow a comedy yeah. audience. But all of a sudden, we've got an audience of fucking names and email addresses of people that have never been to any of the gigs because they've seen Britain's Got Talent, and there's a man off the telly that comes. Then... So then, do they? Uh, what happens when these guys see him? Because my impression some of them of walked him, out. Yeah, some we, people walked out. Exactly. Some right? people went. Uh, I'm not watching this filthy swearing, <laughs> swearing. Like, what do you think we're doing here? Yeah, because I reckon because you because that's 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 the idea I had of him as well. Because some comedians they they, they take this path because yeah you know if if you're a clean comic yeah more opportunities you can get on television you're very family friendly all of that. But then to find out that this guy is a proper comic yeah. in the club, you know, uh -huh. is but he's so got, he can he can go through the gears. His clean material is still quality. Yeah, it's, it's still good, exactly. But, but if you're playing to the audience that that brought in, yeah. And I did that in um, in 2010, my first ever Fringe show, right? right? I didn't have any other material, just the hour that I'm okay. doing. Okay. I had, I, there was nowhere to go, mm. right, if I'm, do, I'm doing this material. And I went on this showcase called Mervyn Strutter's Pick of the Fringe. Right. And it's five minutes of clean material, and it's a real elderly audience. Ooh, and I'm not just saying, like, older. Like, right, like elderly. Elderly. Retired. Like, just like, may not make it to next That week. was 2010. Right. Not a single member of that audience is alive. Like, oh yeah, I was, <laughs> right? I was just going to say, they're all dead now. They're all dead. They're all, <laughs> they're dead. all dead. And I had so, I endeared myself to these old dears yeah. so well, right, that yeah. I filled my room on my first Fringe show for three days that followed that gig. Right. Everybody from that room came oh, over damn. the course of three days. I was in like a fucking 150-seater and then all of a sudden my 50-seater was, like, I was on a 150-seater for the showcase. Right. And then... Those 50 seats sold for the next three gigs and it was them guys. Same crowd. And I then they get to, to see the entire hour. I was doing stuff about dildos, about wanking. Like, I, I had nothing else. And how, how did they take it? Awful. It ah. was bad. It was the worst three gigs of your life. And I mean, thanks for the money. But I'd always <laughs> imagine that the elderly have some of the filthiest sense of humor. Like, yeah, you you would you would think not these ones. <laughs> so what is what is your thought on this whole idea of a lot of people say com comedy should be clean, like whether it's com some there are some comedians who 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 market themselves as clean comedians, and there are a lot of audience 
members also say yeah this it should be comedy should be clean what what do you think i think about? that's a real mainstream opinion that's not what yeah. that's not what comedy is comedy exactly. i think comedy is a subculture and it's underground and it's exactly. in a basement and it's like it's alternative it, right it's it, it, it's, it, it, it's, it's about saying all the things that you're thinking but too afraid to say that's what a stand up yeah. comic does that's why the audience laughs like yeah i was thinking that but i don't want to say it out in public and he did it for me uh uh-huh. and but Oh, it's stuff that it's stuff that's got not safe for work written on it. Yeah, it's exactly. A, it, it's stuff that would get you dragged into HR. Yeah. So it's, it's catharsism for people who are living in a, a strict exactly, environment. Exactly. Because all of us, let's be honest, all of us have filthy thoughts in our head. Yeah. And the kind of stuff that we should not say out in public, the kind of stuff that you, you can't say at work, or you uh-huh. know. And then But, we take on that responsibility and 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 say it for you. and the least you can do is fucking laugh like don't be I, like i don't be so prudish and say like yeah i can't laugh at this this is not the kind of stuff i think about because i've seen the same people who say comedy should be clean i've seen how they talk to each other out in public and i'm like yeah you, th- that's exactly how i was talking on stage what the yeah. fuck is wrong with you <laughs> and, it's, and it's all about environment as well because if you got people who work in an office where you can't say yeah. anything that you say could get you in trouble because you work yeah, in that like, environment right it's yeah. a professional environment yeah. and then you go to a comedy club with your partner yeah on the evening and they're saying all this shit that makes you laugh right yeah. like fucking like like me when i'm listening to an Eminem album at the age of 13 where i just exactly. feel like fuck he's, he's saying these things you yeah, can say that, can say that. so that person who works in that environment goes to that gig laughs the fucking yeah. head off right now if you got that whole workplace mm-hmm. and put them in a corporate event yeah. and then put that same comedian on yeah. everyone would be like oh, how could he how yeah. could he and then the person who booked you for the corporate would be having a word with you just going yeah. and you can't say these things yeah. and i think that's why cor- corporates are an awful environment and why like the pay so well corporate gigs are a lot like performing for in front of your family yeah you know what i mean yeah. speaking speaking of which have you had uh, your family watch you perform so my family all come to the punch drunk gigs that i've run okay and at one of the events um i'm going to just drop them in it daniel sloss mark nelson fucking Tom Horton right. uh put MDMA in my paint. Ooh, right? damn, before you get on stage. Before I got on stage. Oh, they put MD, <laughs> M, they put MDMA in my paint cuz I'd want him said to Daniel, um I don't mind if you spike me, just make sure you get the dosage right. Make dosage, sure I haven't yeah. taken anything already. Yeah. Like just fucking keep an eye on us. Yeah. But like I've always looked at this like free drugs, yeah. right? And I, I've always And that's true friendship. I mean if your friends are not going to spike you Uh, who will? You know? Nah, nah. Well, enemies. People are rapists. So you'd rather yeah, your friends spike yeah. you than your enemies. Yeah, If your enemies spike yeah. you, you're in you're, trouble. And you're going to probably die. Yeah. Because they're not going to give a shit about dosage. So I'd said so that. So what was it like performing on MDMA? I, so I'd, I'd said that to Daniel. Then afterwards, I was just like, not when I'm at work. Yeah. <laughs> not when my parents are in the room. Like, yeah. what are you doing? Um, I knew exactly what had happened when I come up on stage. Right. I fucking, I felt it in my bones. You know, like uh, that I feeling mean, when the consciousness. Yeah, because when you're tri- when when you're tripping or when you're rolling, you yeah. get super conscious of the people who are not tripping with you. Yeah. So suddenly, uh, were you feeling like so you I, were just being stared at by all these people? Nah, nah, nah. I, f- I just got this like I'm like I'm pretty confident anyway, and I'm in a, in a room full of my people. Like ah, it's yeah. it's in Blythe, it's yeah. in my hometown. Yeah. I don't even need to worry about the accent. I've already had a couple of drinks. Yeah. And uh, and then I thought to myself like fuck it. I just I was just like thought I was Chris Rock. I'm pacing around the stage. Yeah. I'm starting to have this fucking deaf comedy jam style delivery. Yeah. And then I was like, I'm on pills in my head. And I just I introduced the next actor at the stage, ran straight up to Daniel and just and just went fucking, do you think this is my first picnic? Do you think I don't know what so wait, pills feel like? So you had no idea you were spiked till you got on stage or did you know before you got on? Well, there was a telltale sign when I was uh I was I went into the green room mm-hmm. which was full of my friends, right? right. and everybody ignored me like it was as if i was invisible right and my paint was on the table and i grabbed my paint and they're like talking amongst themselves yeah. and i'm just like on the edge of the social situation just like right. some fucking nervous outsider yeah. in my own gig with my best friends who like i've if they're on the if they're not on the bill they've come down to hang out and yeah. all of a sudden i'm just i've got this feeling of being invisible and i'm just like what was wrong with them guys yeah. and just stood on my own in the corner drinking yeah. this paint well they had they had went act normal when kai comes in mm-hmm. and they had mistaken act normal from ignoring us ignoring right <laughs> so i picked up i picked up on the fact that right. something was up i just didn't put my finger on it right and then when i came up on stage i was like ah, ah here we go of course yeah <laughs> 
So uh, I, I often wonder what would be what it would be like to be rolling on MD and then just getting up on stage, because when uh, I find that when I am tripping like with uh, with my friends, I turn into a heightened version of myself. Like, yeah. So I'm just roasting everybody, and we're all having a great time. It turns into like a little gig. Yeah. But I often thought like, hey, can I do this on stage? What would what would that be like? But did you do you feel like it, I had it continue, made you a better comic? I had I had to continue the rest of the gig and perform. My eyes were like saucers. I was looking in the mirror and I was yeah. like, "This is so fucking obvious." Like yeah. I I don't hide. You can you can look at my face and guess what drugs I'm on. Yeah. Like if I've been smoking <laughs> weed, you can tell by my face. If yeah. I've been taking coke, you can tell by my face. Yeah. Pills, you can like anybody that's like known me for long enough can just go right. That's what he's on. Like there's yeah. no there's no styling it out for me. Good and uh, so when I was on stage at the end, I, like I'd. I'd managed to style it out for the full gig and then I mentioned it at the end what had right. happened as I was wrapping up after okay. the headline act right. and everyone went fucking nuts like everyone yeah. really cheered because it was like you know how some jokes are funny because the audience get the punchline and then when you say the punchline they feel like they've got some kind of ownership over yeah. the joke yeah. like they thought of the punchline and they hear it and then that gives them a big laugh yeah it was a bit like that kind of laugh where everyone had like is he on drugs like yeah. as if they went they, they were thinking it is it is, is, can, is guy taking drugs yeah. you know, when i told them i got spiked it was like the guy i fucking knew it yeah. <laughs> i fucking knew that you were on drugs was it was it like a heavy dosage like, did you have like a come down the next day or i mean i kept going after that so yes like because yeah. I, I went out on the town after that oh, like we went out drinking took some more and so did like, you have a gig the next night um, I, you know what I think we did because that was the first of the run. So then, we, like, but would you would you say that it was a different energy the next night? It was like, but, oh, shit. I mean, nah, yeah, it like, all juiced out. We we had a period of time around about that time, like 2015, 2016, mm. around about then, where the fringe was every single day. Oh. Every single day would go hard. Every single day, I'd be in the shower at three in the afternoon when I woke up. <laughs> Oh, and every single day I'd be fucking dragging my heels across town to get to the gig. And then every single day I'd pull myself together, put a good show on and then go again. And then go again. Dude, I, I want to do some gigs with you guys now when I get there. Yeah, you know what? We're like, we're like fucking these, like, we're like these fucking old men that used to be somebody like now when yeah. we talk about the sesh. Yeah. Like we yeah, still, yeah. we still have moments like when we went to Vegas. Right. That was like, like it was like Las Vegas. It was like getting the old crew back together. Yeah, these are the people that used to go hard, and then yeah. we go hard again and go still got it. Yeah, but, but we're still young. I mean, come on. We, yeah, we, we I still mean, have like a few years. But the thing is, like, people have got children now. Yeah. Like uh, that kind of changes things. Yeah, right? we're like I'm not going on forty. I turn forty in in uh, in July. Okay. So like, there there is a little bit of like just going back down through the gears for me. That, yeah. That lifestyle. Yeah, I mean, but. Yeah, I mean, I, I, have, I haven't gone as hard as that, like, uh, every night of the week. Like, I kind of, it's for me, it's like maybe once a quarter, once uh, every six months. Yeah. But, but when I do, then I, I, go to, I go to space and I come that's back. That's how it should be. Yeah, that's, you go, you that's go to space and then that's, for me, then I, I'm like, for the next three days, nobody, like, talk work with me because I'm traveling. Yeah. And I actually do that, dude. When I'm tripping and people message me for work, I'm like, guys, I can't talk right no, now. No. I'm traveling. So they actually think I'm on a flight or I'm at the airport. They have no idea. I'm literally in oh, space. Oh, man. I've, I've got a friend who's a friend of uh, of the podcast, uh, Barry Castanola, right? right. And, uh, and I've been to Amsterdam with him, like oh, fucking man. taking everything, right? Like, And he's mm. been making business phone calls while... While, while sideways and he, he composes his cell and he handles his shit he gets his ducks in a row yeah. and he's like right I've just got to fucking send this email in because he's like works with a production company yeah. as well and he's always got like yeah. it, like it, it, the stuff he does transcends stand up like he'll do all kinds right. of, of stuff yeah. and, uh, and he always just handles his business while he's while he's some on a trip some people have the ability ability to do that they, they, they can operate really well when they're high I think with me it all depends on how high I am but for me uh, what's happened is over the years, it's always be become something that I do, uh, you know, to kind of, you know, pause, take a break from life. Yeah. That's for, for me mentally. I'm just like, I don't want to deal with uh, anything that's waiting for me on the outside. So I, I time it in such a way that, you know, okay, fine. This is, I'm on, I'm, I'm on vacation right now. So nobody bother me. But I get what you mean. I've seen some people being highly operational when they're either stoned or when, they, when, when they're rolling. It's, 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 yeah. it's impressive. I had a, I had the, on Daniel Stagdew, 
Yeah. Like one of the um, things for the patrons, like one of the bonus episodes right. was uh, the roast of Daniel Sloss, which is out now. It's available. If anyone's catching up on this and you haven't seen it yet or you've just joined the Patreon, just scroll back a few. Right. The roast of Daniel Sloss from Vegas was right in the middle of us partying hard, right in the fucking, I think okay. it was like day three right. of a Vegas trip with like right. tw- 20 lads. And, uh, and I had to... Uh, check into the Bellagio, I had to bring all the equipment, set it all up. And I also had like, I was hosting the show. So I had a roast, roast jokes for everybody or like a couple of roast jokes for everybody. So I had like an extra bit of writing to do to everybody else because everybody had to do a couple into the crowd and a couple of Daniel. And I had to set it up against Daniel and then, and then roast everybody as I brought them on. So did you guys it, do this inside the suite? In the suite, in the, in suite, the Bellagio yeah. penthouse. So oh, like, nice. uh, we're just in there. Like we had to time the crowd shots for people not doing drugs. <laughs> so there's like little <laughs> little snippets of the crowd shot. But then um, we recorded for like but nearly nearly two hours, I think. And, yeah. uh, and we ended up putting about 50 minutes up. And loads of people were um, like, loads of my friends were like, mate, you can't put that out. This is going to get yeah. me into trouble. Yeah. You can't say that. Oh, by yeah. the way, that'll fuck up my green card if you say that. Oh, or, like, and, uh, and there was just so many bits of mine. So I'd done all this writing. And then if you look at it, it looks like I hardly do anything. Sometimes I'm just bringing them onto the stage. Right. But what, what they don't see in the cut is that like I'd said something like taboo about the family. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're just like, yo, my mother's going to be pissed if she sees that. <laughs> so I just fucking suck out loads of my jokes. But that's, that's crazy, isn't it? Because there are so many versions of yourself, right? There's yeah. a version of yourself that your family knows. There's a version of yourself that your friends know, your neighbors, your co-workers. And then there's the real you that your friends know. Uh-huh. But then there's the real, real you that only you know. You know uh-huh. what I mean? Yeah, so there's so yeah. many fucking versions. <laughs> and then you're existing on this spectrum where you're just like, okay, what? who's watching now? How, what how can I reveal to who? Yeah, what can I do? Yeah. How naked can I get? You know uh-huh. what I mean? It's, it's insane. Yeah, and that's what's good with like these uh, podcasts with paywalls is that you start revealing way more about yourself than you Correct. would if it was yeah. just like a public broadcast. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why I think like it, it, it gives an extra layer of authenticity yeah. where you let them into the you that's around, around exactly. your friends. And, and you also know that the people who are watching are the ones who have already bought into you uh, and as, as, your, as a brand or bought into your craft. So yeah. yeah, I think that's why, I mean, I'm a little comfortable discussing this. If I was on an Indian podcast right now, I'd still be a little vague, you know, because I, I'd just hint about, hint at, doing stuff because yeah it's crazy back home because all everyone especially uh, the the right the far right the people who want to look for something to you know pin on you so they'll, they'll scroll through this shit and like oh he said this so he's this person you know yeah of course and, yeah. We, and when we did the editing of the jokes um for the um for the period that wasn't to protect the they'd love them jokes yeah but it's yeah. just to protect um the acts and the and the integrity in yeah. their other circles yeah. <laughs> you know um, yeah, because we bought into this life, right? This is our life. Right? Uh-huh. We are so comfortable discussing literally anything under the sun. Yeah. And then sometimes with, with our friends, they, they they haven't signed up for it as yeah. much as they love hanging out with us. And they're probably as filthy as us. Uh-huh. But they haven't signed up for, for that kind of exposure. That kind of exposure. Yeah. yeah. So, for, so some of them tend to get a little like, whoa, what the fuck? Why is why are so many people watching this story right now? But yeah, yeah. life is short. Who gives a fuck? Nobody's going to know. Like 50 years from now, none of us are going to be. And then, and then all it's going to take is like um, you to do one thing foul in the wrong platform, and somebody's going to scour through all of your yes, shit. Yes, exactly. <clears throat> and that's the thing with us, right? Because we are constantly our trajectory. Hopefully, will always be on an upward climb. And then along the way, the higher you go, the more people are looking for shit to you know. Oh, also, we, we've been, we've been doing this podcast since 2016. Like yeah. we've, been, we've been doing it regularly, and as like. Uh, um, like uh, as a uh, like we connect with our audience and the, they they pay yeah. for it so we work to make sure that they get what they pay for twice a week and right. we've, we've had it on this like kind of semi-professional level for two years now yeah. but we used to be on such a just nobody's listening to this shit right back in 2016 and man what's that seven years seven years yeah. opinions have changed opinions have changed yeah like yeah. I, I often think i never used to legitimize mental health issues Exactly. I used to, I remember having an opinion that like people need to keep, this is a, this is a dated opinion of mine that I know mm-hmm. I would have spoke about earnestly yeah. years Disclaimer. ago. Yeah, Disclaimer. Disclaimer. It's a dated opinion. But, it's not who he is today. But yeah. what's good is you can edit that bit out and yeah. just put what I'm about to say next. <laughs> I used to have this opinion on anxiety that mm-hmm. fuck off, everybody's anxious. Mm-hmm. We're all going to die. Yeah. Me, me wife, me, me, me family, they're all going to die. I'm scared. 
Yeah. I am fucking, I am trapped in a fucking elevator that's fallen to the floor, right? And I'm fucking, and I'm not going to sit here like screaming like, oh no, yeah. I'm just going to fucking try and pull myself up by my bootstraps and yeah. not act scared so that fucking everybody else doesn't have to deal with me acting scared because yeah. fucking everybody's scared or I'm going to die, right? Mm-hmm. And I look at that, then I just look at like how the chemical, like how I've learned about the chemical imbalances that people have where yeah. they get that heightened fear for no reason and it can catch them like when they least expect it. And I'm just acting like it's it's like all this rational thing rather than actually yeah yeah i mean for me also that's what i call a tuesday to be honest because that's and that's the whole thing right like even 10 go go back 10 years the kind of conversations we used to have the kind of conversations everybody was having on social media versus now i mean that that jump in terms of how much we're talking about the depth in terms of everything that we speak of is it's been exponential. So that's why I find it so dumb when people, you know, try to cancel somebody based on something they said 10 years ago. Oh, look at this tweet from 2014. That's, dude, that's fucking ages ago. Look, yeah. look for the shit that this person has said in the last three weeks. Uh, that is who they are. Don't fucking dig on uh, so deep. Take a chance to like try and yeah. educate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's that's the other thing, right? Why, why? Why do we go after somebody and say, okay, no, now you said this 10 years ago, damn it, you shouldn't have a job, you shouldn't be able to feed your family, you shouldn't be, it's such an extreme. Oh man, and life moves so fucking fast. Have you ever seen the clips from Soccer AM from 10 years ago, where they get get, like models on, and first of all, they'll ask them how old they are, right? And it's just a all-male studio audience with a male host with a girl in a bikini going how old are you and she'll be like 19 and they'll all be going good age good age and this was daytime tv 10 in the morning like like anybody got kids are watching it and like and they're learning this culture fucking yes barely legal yeah yeah, we can fuck her now. A couple of years ago, we wouldn't have been able to fuck her, but now we can. And yeah. that that doesn't even seem like that long ago when that yeah. was. Like, fucking time moves out on you fast. I, th- I think now the only place where you see this this sort of uh, system where people are still on the edge, like, you know, of, of being inappropriate is, is, is porn sites. Like, have you seen, I, I don't know what is up with porn sites right now. Like, if you go to Pornhub, everyone's fucking their stepsister. I, 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 I first saw that and I was like, how is this my algorithm? I thought I was getting, I thought yeah. I was getting fucking fed. I'm like, I, I don't even have a stepsister. Exactly. <laughs> and, 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 you, and you try to like sort of, then you try to filter it and uh, you run your own searches. Like, okay, if I, I think this particular, you know, everyone has a favorite porn star because they look like somebody they uh, wanted to fuck. Or Janice, Janice Griffith? Yeah. Yeah, you know? Janice so Griffith, I mean, got a lover. That's and my then, quickie. That's my safe. Like, I'm not going to peruse yeah. porn. I'm going to find her because I know that I'm going to be the out the hotel is, room in five minutes. And now when you when you search for their names as well, even they're doing the same fucking roles. Why is everyone fucking... I'm like, what, is this like something that's happening? In, is, is this something happening in the West? Like, I, I've got no idea. Who, like, who, who, how did this start? This never used to happen before. There, it was... I remember for the longest time, Naughty America was 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 the king, right? Naughty uh, America was the king. They would have these... And they would have these amazing storylines. Naughty secretary. The old school stuff. Yeah, the plumber. The old, old, old plumber school stuff. In. My sister's hot friend. All of that. Which, which, you, which you all, you know, forbidden. But yeah, okay, fine. It's still okay. Right? Sister's hot friend. Fine. Yeah, who doesn't want to fuck a sister? Yeah, your sister's hot friend. Why, but, is, why is incest the mainstream? Yeah, and now incest has become mainstream, bro. You check any fucking site. It's all stepsister, stepmo- stepmother. Sometimes it's stepsister and stepmother at the uh-huh. same time. Like, what the so, fuck? So let's get this straight. Those two are related. Yeah. <laughs> That's a mother-daughter. That's a proper mother-daughter. <laughs> then then they have this weird thing where there'll be a guy who's hooking up with this MILF. The MILF is the stepsis- stepmom to another uh, yeah. younger girl and then all three of them want to fuck each other and i'm just like man i don't know if it's, it's an american thing or i don't know what's happening uh, it's coming th- out of th- texas or i, what, I think I it know. might be a new generation thing i don't know if it's the i, I don't know, know if it's the youngins yeah it could be is this i, I, I i'm very interested right. can, to I, can I get nuptial consensual <laughs> can i just yeah. get can i just get two married people who love each other yeah <laughs> Please. like i like i often wonder like I, I, i'm interested in finding out how they go about developing scripts i mean script is 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 giving them too much credit to be really honest more like a storyline like where at some point did these did everybody sit around the table and go hey guys we need something new you know what i mean yeah uh, what's <laughs> the next like, thing 
Yeah. I, uh, it was probably just them going, right, we need to move on from this barely legal thing. Barely legal. We need thing. to move on from barely legal. We need a, a classic misdirection. Look, your sister, fuck mm. your sister. Yeah. Whew, whew. Then another, another. <laughs> they nearly caught us being borderline pedos. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and another very twisted one is this the swapping thing. And so they've taken the whole wife swapping or a husband swapping, partner swapping concept. And now they've got like dudes swapping their daughters. The fuck? Yeah. It's, I'm just like, what the, f-? and, and I have the same, why is this showing up on my, ah, yeah. <laughs> that, like- that, that was the thing that caught me off guard when that first started happening, because like, yeah. obviously when you're on fucking uh, Instagram, when you're scrolling, yeah. I'm getting like, I'm, I built a dog park with my wife, I'm getting yeah. loads of fucking dog stuff, sponsored yeah. links for yeah. like cleaning your dog's ears and all that, right? Yeah. Um, when the snowboard season comes around, and they're going, oh look, there's loads of snowboarding gear, and you know what, it's, I've always found that the, the focused advertising, it feels intrusive yeah but it's actually helpful yeah because uh, i've always described it as it's like somebody breaking into your house and tidying up exactly you've been violated yeah like but they've done you a service exactly you know know, like phones are listening to everything you're saying right yeah right so it was so weird like uh, i I mean for me what happens is uh when i'm on stage i'm great i have a great gig i'm great it's when i'm off stage is when I struggle with my mental health, especially when I'm touring. You know, you know how it is. You're yeah. alone by yourself. Yeah, you can get homesick. You, you can have leave. You have those, you have those lows, right? And I, I was talking to my girlfriend about it, and like, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling a little depressed, and 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 then I'm, I'm having my moments by myself, and then suddenly Instagram shares a nice video of, that really lifted me up, and I'm just like, it was hilarious because this this app is also one of the leading causes of my depression. Yeah. And then at the same time, they're, they're also then going, hey, hey, sorry, sorry about that. Here's a video to cheer you up. Yeah, and then, then I video come on actually, back in. Yeah, it's like an abusive relationship. Yeah, yeah, You're being manipulated. Yeah, exactly. It's like, I hate, I hate you because I love you, Daniel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's so funny. But, but, but yeah, man, technology. But I always feel like if you take any man's you know, laptop and go through his, his, his uh, Pornhub history, fuck, everybody would be in prison, right? Uh, yeah, uh, people would be like, Kai really likes dudes. He always likes more men than women in the scene. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I think he might be gay. Yeah, and um, uh, the, the, your your phone fucking collects so much on you that you're not even aware that it's collected. It's pr- and then and then profiles you. Yeah, if like you, you you talk about something and the next thing you know, fucking there's an ad for it or, you know, you see. And earlier it used to be just targeted advertising. I remember you say, you know, hey, I want to buy, uh, let's say, you know, a baby stroller. And then suddenly you see ads for baby strollers. Yeah. Now, it, the content is also uh, being uh, sort of curated on the basis of the conversations you're having outside. Yeah, of the and also your location of your, your location. phone. So like if you're spending yeah. a lot of time in specific shops or specific places, yeah. it knows when you've been to the driving range. Yeah. And then it'll tell you about like these like new golf clubs or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like it, 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 it's clocking everything that you're yeah. doing. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I reckon it's, do they not like, it works out what you scroll past and what you stay on as well. Like it's yeah. it's really fucking. Uh, it's 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 that thing. I heard a thing where it goes if if it's free, you're the product. Yeah, you if are, it's free, you you're are. the product. So when you're on social media, that's free. Yeah, but like you, that's you because you're product, paying yeah. for it with information yeah. about, yourself. about yourself. And that's the thing that annoys me. If if that's how it works, why don't our shows sell out faster? You know what yeah. I mean? Like, you no, know, if, if if people are watching stand up, if if somebody's watching stand up and they're in Perth right now, and then they'll be like, "Hey, check out Kai. He's doing a show in Perth. Like, check. You no, know, like, yeah. our shows should show up, yeah. right? What the fuck?" And, the, like? and then that's that's another side of the fucking uh, the the hold they've got on it. They yeah. know that that's something you're trying to sell by the words that you use. Ticket link. Ticket link. Or, or even just putting a date or a, or a city and a date next to each yeah. other, and then it gets them and go, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa! You're trying to sell something here." Mm. Pay for it. Pay for it. Yeah. Pay for it if you're trying to sell it. Yeah. I've always like you try not to take it personally, but like I can fart on Facebook and get a good response. Like I'll go on and I'll mm. say something and I'll have an interaction or I'll like I'll make an observation and it always like gives us the validation that you fucking yeah. crave from social media, right? You always get like the interaction with people. And then sometimes I'll put a show on. I'm like, oh, these people like me. I feel liked. Yeah. I feel like I've got a good connection with the people that I'm friends with on social media. Mm-hmm. And then I'll put something out and it'll get like next to nothing. Yeah. And then I'm like, oh, maybe like, maybe they didn't find is that funny or whatever. Like, or maybe just, I'm not doing what, that well. What they've done. It, it, it's that, it's the fucking, they put a stranglehold on something you're trying to sell. Yeah. 
they basically just killed organic reach right so when <clears throat> facebook pages just started i remember uh, this would have been rough, uh, around the turn of 2015 2016 facebook pages were just becoming a thing we would if i had a show on a wednesday and i posted about it on tuesday on on sunday it was sold out by wednesday because everybody got to know i was doing a gig and so they, I, if i'm not mistaken i think the organic reach was as high as 80% Mm. Now it's less than five percent, from what I've been told. Is, is that right? Yeah, well, that so. makes a lot of sense. Because when I started running Punch Drunk um, back in two thousand and nine, before yeah. like before my brother got on board and made it a proper thing, right. it was just this like occasional one-off event in the sports center where I worked, and I could just put on one post and just say who's after tickets. DM me if you want tickets, yeah. and then I do all my ticket and through direct messaging off people. Yeah. Like now, even though I've fucking my following's like fucking exponentially more than it was then. Yeah. If I put on, I'm going to do a show in this town on that day. DM if you want tickets. I I now think well, I'll I'll just get like the odd message. Yeah. Whereas <clears throat> it, it used to it used to be I'd reach everybody. Yeah. And does this happen to you where you you do a gig in a particular city and after you leave the city and then you say okay hey I'm doing a gig in this city now and then people go like hey when are you doing a gig in Perth, and we're like, dude, I was just I in Perth, it. and I was constantly talking about doing shows in Perth. Where the yeah. fuck were you? And they're like, I had, I had no know. idea. I yeah, no and idea. you're like, shit, I've been like singing this from the rooftops, yeah, uh, into exactly. the void, into the exactly. void for yeah. So yeah, so so in a way, I'm kind of grateful to social media that I have the career that I have right now. But I also, it's it's a very toxic relationship where now you're just like, you know, I have to pay you now to reach the people who voluntarily uh-huh. like my work, even after giving you all other. Mm-hmm. pieces of my life that makes you billions of dollars yeah. in ad revenue right ah, yeah. can you not give me something you're, back you're, give, you're, giving you're already money. making a fuck ton of money out of me as just a consumer just I sell it at advertising companies data. yeah so just fucking tell more people that I have shows that's all yeah. i'm saying i ah, reciprocate the relationship yeah how uh, many gray t-shirts does mark zuckerberg need that's 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 the billion dollar question <laughs> yeah. like how much is too much <laughs> Like how much is too much, Mark? Yeah. If you can hear this, I'm pretty sure he's hearing this right now through our phones. Oh yeah, already. yeah, it's just getting. Yeah, just try a different color, my friend. Gray maybe is not a good look on you. Maybe it's making you this kind of person that thinks that yeah. you know you need to fill the abyss with more. Wear yellow, Mark. You can't be unhappy when you wear yellow. Exactly, that's a nice color. That's also the color of comedy, by the way. Laughter. Yellow is it is actually? Yeah, yellow is the laughter. Is the color of laughter, Ben. And do, do a lot of do a lot of comedy logos and backdrops have yellow? Yes, they do. Do they actually? And is yeah, that just notice, yeah. is that happen knowingly, or do people just? I don't know. I, I, I'm guessing a lot of graphic designers know this, but uh, apparently a lot of colors signify uh, moods. Mm-hmm. So yeah, blue is more, you know. Uh, sometimes it used to communicate sadness, but a brighter blue. Uh, so how does that uh, like the sky is nice and blue now, and a blue sky, yeah. a blue sky. So make, a bright, so me, a lighter blue yeah. apparently is 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 happy. Yeah, it's, it's a, it makes you feel good. So, so I'm wearing this. But a darker shade, darker of, shade blue, of blue, like see the one behind you. Over yeah, here? so that's kind of like that a makes more, that makes you, know, you feel blue. So if I'm looking at that, oh yeah, yeah you know what right. I mean. I'm just like ah shit. But I think in general, brighter colors uh, tend to make you feel more yeah uh, happier. But even with food, uh, apparently. Uh, Certain colors uh, make the food more appealing for you to eat. Yeah, like like green. Green is is a color that we like. Yeah, I'll, I'll eat that. Unless you're, if, unless you're Scottish. If, yeah, but if your broccoli inverted. was red, uh-huh. you would probably be like, yeah, that looks that's, that looks weird. Yeah, yeah, what's, what's going on? Yeah, yeah. Whereas in, in Scotland, they're just like beige makes me feel good. Yeah, <laughs> I want be- Can I have beige food, please? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm just pinning all of Scotland on Daniel and Cara, <laughs> who, who have probably got turkey dinosaurs and smiley that, faces what's, for the wedding. What's that dish in Scotland that's very popular? Uh, haggis. Hag- Neeps. Neeps is turnips. How is that? I've never t- had the chance to try it. Potatoes is tetties. It's good. Haggis. Because they put like a whiskey sauce on it. Haggis is like kind of from the same family as black pudding. Okay. I'm going to say where it's like kind of... I f- I f- I'm tempted to say like a pig's intestines or some shit. Like mm-hmm. it's like fucking stomach. It's like a, right. it's it's like the part of the animal that you you wouldn't eat. And, and what do they stuff <laughs> it with? I think, and then, I, I mean, I'm just speculating. Okay. I'm just speculating, but I'm sure it's like sheep gut or something. Oh. I'm saying pig's intestines. I think it's sheep gut. Sheep gut. Okay. Yeah, because but I, I, th- I think I think it is like organs rather than meat. 
this is me this is me guessing sort of like the like the spares yeah uh-huh. like so in goa where i'm from we have something called goan pork sausages yeah which is similar it's it's intestine it's it's big intestines with pork in it right and with uh, sort of like it's cu- it's cured with uh, sort of like what you call what's the english word for a masala Masala, we say masala. We say masala. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So basically, a goan masala, which is uh, very pungent and spicy, and oh my god, it's so delicious. Yeah, it's like it's a, one of my favorite things. To eat. We were talking about this when we left India, but do you, do you have korma in India? Is that frowned upon? What is that? Like korma is the like you know if you're getting a curry, there's six of you, and yeah. you're ordering a you're ordering an Indian meal, and yeah, you, yeah, you get but like I'll have a buna, I'll have a madras, and then you've got somebody there who doesn't like spicy food. Right. They'll get the korma. Okay, so is that is that a non-spicy? Eating? This is great to find out that you don't have it in India because it's like I, I, it's I, like I imagine you were just totally thrown it, but it's like a curry without spices in. It's like fucking thick is chicken soup. Is that what soup. you call a, cor- a korma? Korma. Oh, it's like okay. a spice-free curry. It doesn't have. It's it's got flavor and it's tasty, it's, sure. Yeah, but you're wasting yeah. your order if so you get the coma. In India, uh, you I I mean from my personal experience, I mean I don't know. Uh, I always associated korma with vegetarian gravy. Okay. Yeah. So we, and in, if so in, in the restaurant, we get a I chicken remember, korma. So always say like veg korma, chicken. I'm not sure. If I've seen a chicken korma, but I've, I've for some reason in my head it's always been korma is a veg. Yeah, gravy. So, and I've never been. I'm not like I. I eat. I eat a lot of vegetables, but not as a main. You know what I mean? It's more like a salad. Yeah. Or I, I love. I love green uh, leafy side. stuff on the side, but not as my main. Uh, uh, you know. I, I ended up doing a uh, joke. I was just riffing on stage about because um, you, you know in the UK when um, in the like 80s and 90s, if a kid mm. was sick. The mother would get out a bottle of Lucasade, but it was before Lucasade had become like isotonic sports drink. Right. It was just like fizzy original, like right. not orange or anything. And the bottle would be sticky, like the way it got bottled. It was like yeah. it, it was just been spilling over. Right. So you'd give your sick kid this like sticky bottle of Lucasade, right. and it, it probably had no medicinal value. You're just caffeinating your child. Yeah. Is what's happening, right? right? And I just, uh, I just spun this yard. I was like, do you, do you know, in uh, India, the mothers use korma very much in the same way you use Lucasid for ah. your sick child. And I just made this thing that is just That's like hilarious. get the get the korma out the fridge. Here's your sticky bottle of korma. Because in India, like we go out with friends all the time to to have a meal, and I do not recall a single instance where anybody has ever gone. Hey, I'll have the korma. That that oh, it's uh, never. It's, I, I always Do you it. like spicy food? Though? I, lo- I love it. Yeah. You love. Yeah, and get, I'm getting. Can, can, can I'm you getting, stomach it? I'm getting better as I get older with spicy yeah. food. Right. I started like uh, putting hot sauce on more things, mm-hmm. and uh, and going for the spicy option when I'm getting a ramen. I'll oh. go for the extra hot uh, yeah. option yeah. occasionally. Like I feel, I think I've kind of observed this in the last ten years, maybe because everyone's traveling now, and there's there's so there's so many multicultural cuisines available. Everywhere you go, so I think everyone's palate is kind of widened. But there was a time, like when I was younger, like I remember if my cousins were, were visiting from another country, they they couldn't handle anything we gave them. Nah, and I'm just like, what the fuck are you even here? You, just go back. Like, you know go what back it is? To it's, Canada, you weak fuck. It's actual. It 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 starts when something's got like lots of chilies in, for mm. instance. It starts feeling like it's actually hot, like temperature hot. Yeah. So you start having this self-preservation thing of like right. um, you feel like the inside of your mouth's burning. So I think once you get past the mind game of that, right, and you you can touch the food, you can put your finger in your ramen and see that it's actually not going to scald you. Right. And then once okay. you can mind over matter, you can start enjoying the flavors. Yeah. I just think there's too much of the <laughs> like it, yeah. it instinct yeah. when yeah. when yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. When you're dabbling with hot food, right. that you never go back to it. That you always mm. just go, well, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go back and try that because yeah. I've decided that it hurts. Right. Um, but when you realize that it's just like, like it only hurts in the matrix. Like for us, like spicy food just is, is so natural. Like we grew up with it, and even now, although there are a lot of Indians back home who also don't like spicy food. Like my girlfriend, for instance, she doesn't like spicy food. She doesn't like chilies. So when I cook, I don't use chilies in in any of my preparations. Yeah. But and she grew I'm, up in India as well. She grew up in India as well. How did she avoid that? So it's, for some people, it's just some. It's, they don't like it. They can't handle it. You know, like yeah. they maybe have a reaction. It would be like an Irish person not liking potatoes. Exactly. Yeah. But which is weird because in her family, her dad loves spicy food. So it was hilarious because he, when he came to visit us, we lived together. When he came to visit us, and that was the first time I was meeting him, and I really wanted to make an impression. You yeah. Know? 
I cooked my best dishes. Every day was a signature dish, you know. Yeah, good. And then he would be like, "Yeah, but it's not uh, as spicy as I as I like it." And I'm like, "It's because of your daughter. Like, <laughs> yeah, she doesn't yeah, like yeah, spicy. Well, like I'm, I'm cooking I'm, batch. I'm batch cooking. Yeah, like, it's like I'm like... caught in between a rock and a hard place. And I'm like, who the fuck do I make happy on 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 this trip? Yeah. So what I do uh, is, uh, and of course, uh, you know, her happiness comes first if you're watching this baby. Yeah. And uh, uh, so I never put ch- chilies in in the gravy, but I will eat raw chilies along alongside with it because I need that that hit of spice. I need you know, yeah. for me, like spicy food makes me feel alive. Yeah, I oh, really, I, mean, I like, really want one of your signature dishes yeah, now. You, you got, uh, next next time you guys come down to India, just hit me up. Stay a little longer when you're in Bangalore. Yes. Come over. I'll cook you a nice Indian meal. Uh, I'll make I'll make you my signature. Go. Right, we've got this on record. I yeah, take, yeah, I take them up for that. We have yeah, yeah, going yeah. food. Always, always. Comedians always welcome to my place. Come over, chill for a bit. I'll, I'll get you guys a nice meal. Yeah. Excellent, mate. Well, let's uh, let's end on that offer. Awesome. And, and lock awesome. it in. Have yeah, you got anything yeah, yeah. to plug? Is there anything people can see? Um, um, Bear in mind, there's people from all over the world watch this podcast, yeah. and this is going out on the public episode, so right. you're, you're, you're hitting a few people okay. here. So yeah, so I mean, I'm wrapping up. I think by the time this episode drops, I'll be done with. We'll be finished in Perth. But the thing that you could do is check me out on YouTube. Uh, follow me on Instagram. Uh, you can probably put the details up over there. Yeah, uh, and just uh, follow me. And if you like my stuff, and the next time I'm in your city, come check me out. Yeah, are you gonna come to the Edinburgh Fringe? Uh, not this year, but <clears throat> I am uh, hoping to visit the UK towards the end of the year, but I'm still figuring out Great. the details. I, I might be doing UK, I might be doing Europe as well. Uh, hopefully Canada and the US, maybe next year. So so listen up, if you're from yeah. any of these places, follow Daniel, but put the notifications on because as soon as he puts up the dates, it'll stop you from saying it. So yeah. pop him on notifications and, and yeah. keep an eye on where he's going. I'll like actually physically go and have a look at his website. And you have a website? Uh, no, not my website. Socials. His socials will have everything. Is, is, is where we are. And hey, uh, you know already, I'm on tour. I imagine you've already got your tickets, but I'm going to be in the UK doing a bunch of spots, spots, tour shows. Um, London, Liverpool, Manchester, Leicester, and Newcastle. I'm missing somewhere. Leicester said Leicester. Yeah, look it up. Yeah. Bye.